This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. of God's Word and turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. We have two sermons left in Galatians 6, and then we are going to consider the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to look at the characteristics of that fruit, and so we'll do a series on each one, or not a series on each one, but we'll do a series where we cover each one uh, that is listed in chapter 5, verses 22. Through 23. But Paul here is issuing a final warning for the Galatians that includes a general principle to keep in mind as we live the Christian life. It's a principle that is good for both material aspects of our life, the resources that we have, what we do with what we have been given, but also the moral aspects of our lives and how we live. It is a principle that is impossible to prevent, it will happen, it will occur, and corresponding to that is a harvest that is certain to happen, certain to happen. And as we'll see in the text, God is not mocked. And so it is worthy of our consideration as Paul applies this to three areas of the Christian life that we'll discuss in a moment. Let us Pray, though, and ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word. Father, we come to you in the name of our Savior, and this is your inerrant word that we are about to read. It is infallible, it cannot have error, and thus far it is indeed your word. So guide us to truth. May your spirits speak to your servants. May we be faithful and true to proclaim it rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Now, there's an old adage that goes like this. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. This is what Paul is teaching here in Galatians chapter 6. These statements that are given in these verses are not separate. Rather, they are connected by this great principle in verse 7. For whatever a person sows, he will reap. What you plant, the seeds that you plant, 
will produce some kind of fruit. They will produce the desires of the flesh or they will produce the fruit of the spirit. So for whatever a person sows, he will reap. We have the tendency to think that our actions and our deeds do not matter. The Galatians were dealing with those who said that you can have Jesus, but you also need to follow these other laws. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the ceremonial food laws. Uh, You need to follow the Sabbath laws and this and this and this and that. And Paul's like, no, no. It is by grace alone that we are saved. It is not of our works. It is by justification, by faith alone. It is by being made right with God, not based on what you or I do, but by what God has done for us in Christ. But we have the tendency as Christians to think, I've been justified, I've been made right with God, I am saved. Now that means I can live however I please. Now it doesn't matter what I do. Well, Paul is also quick to correct those of us who feel that way. No, indeed, it does matter what you do. Because for whatever a person sows, he will reap. Paul would have us understand that our thoughts lead to our destinies. And so we want to consider this principle. This is the principle of harvest. He applies it to three areas of life here. The principle of harvest is applied to Christian giving, Christian holiness, and Christian opportunity. Consider first Christian giving. This is the text that makes the preacher blush. Hopefully that was a little funny, but you don't know why yet, maybe. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. This is the reason we give to the church. We give to those who teach the word of God. Why do we pay ministers? Why do we pay pastors? Oh, they only work one day a week. You're supposed to laugh at that too. Because that's often what we're told. But no, we pay those, we provide for those, we share with those who are providing us with the word of God, teaching us, equipping us for the work of the ministry. And so this Christian giving is important. That's why Jesus would call and send out his disciples. And as he sent them out, he said, a labor is worthy of what? His wages. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 9, 11, and he applies this principle to the church at Corinth, and he says, if we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? In other words, those who give themselves to the ministry of the word benefit from those who receive the ministry of the word. Not to abuse or to take more than is needed, but to understand that there is a calling to give to the church for the ministry of the word to happen and continue. Now, I want to consider a few words with you because we often will miss some of the things that he's saying. Notice first this word taught. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches, taught. This is the word from which we get the word catechism. Uh, With our children on Wednesdays, we've been teaching them the the children's catechism. On Sunday mornings in worship, we go through a catechism. In other words, this is what we are to do with the word of God. 
We are to catechize. We are to teach, to instruct disciples. In fact, we have two uh, new disciples in the Lord, and those two disciples in the Lord are not to just be baptized, and that's it. We're done with you. No, rather, we are to instruct and to teach and to see that they grow in Christ. And so even in our church, we're hoping to to, to figure this out better, how we are to disciple those who come to Christ. Uh, one way, though, has already been given to you, Sunday morning worship, Sunday evening worship, Sunday school, youth group. Those things are given to us so that you can grow in Christ. When you become a Christian, that should, be, should not be the end of your learning, but rather that is the beginning of your learning. And Paul is speaking to those who are being taught, and that includes everyone in the church from the youngest to the oldest. In fact, if you think that you are too old to learn, well, you need to learn something. But you're not. You're not at all. But rather, it is from the youngest to the oldest that we all are learning the Word of God. I don't know how many of you have read a text before, Maybe you've read through Galatians and you, you find yourself thinking, you know what, I've read Galatians probably 50 times in my quiet time, but I've never seen that before. Why is that? Because the Spirit works through the Word of God and He works through those who teach the Word of God to you. Some have even said that we think of the Presbyterians as a teaching church. Well, that may be true. We are a teaching church. But you know what? Bible tells us every church should be a teaching church. Every church should catechize and teach its people to know Christ and him crucified and to see how that impacts their lives. Secondly, what are you taught? In other words, what is the preacher, the teacher, to sow? Notice what he says. One who is taught the word. The word, that is what you're to be taught. Not my opinion, not the preacher's opinion. And it's good that you're not dealing with the preacher's opinion. Um, My sermons would be much longer, perhaps, sometimes shorter. But here's the deal. You're taught the word. The word is what matters. The word is what you should long for. The word is what you need. You, You don't need me to just preach in such a way that you get nothing out of it, but we need to preach in such a way that you're grasping and gaining a hold of the word so it changes your life. It impacts who you are as a human being, as a Christian. Talk the word. So for Paul, he is teaching that the ministers in Christ's church are to receive financial support for a particular task, the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. The apostles had devoted themselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. And that's why deacons come into the picture, those first seven, like Stephen, as you remember, so that the apostles could focus on the ministry of the word and the prayer. And that task is given to pastors and elders from that. So that's important to remember. It's not the other parts of the ministry that is highlighted here. It's the word being taught. We need to think of that. What is the most important task that I have as your pastor? It's the preaching of the word of God. 
It's instructing you in the truth. That is the most important, that is the highlighted task of the preacher, pastor, teacher. And the pastor, though, is not to abuse this calling and the gifts that he receives by neglecting the ministry of the word. Then I want you to notice another word here in verse 6. One who is taught to the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. The biblical principle here is why pastors should be financially supported. Yet let's consider this a bit deeper because I don't want you to think that you came to hear me preach about why I need to be paid because that's not it at all. That's not what I'm doing. This is uncomfortable. Is my face red? It's hot in here. Yes, it's red. But you also need to see and to grasp what this actually means. The word share is the word for fellowship. In other words, it's not that you're paying a pastor, but you are fellowshipping with the man that God has called to be your pastor. So understand it this way. You're not to see the church and the teaching of the word as a service that is provided for you. I'm not your mechanic and using tools to fix your vehicle and then you just leave and if you don't like what is done, you just go to another mechanic. But rather you're to see your pastor and your church as a part of Christian fellowship. Now that's important because there are times where we think, well, I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I'll check it off the list of the things I have to do. It is an errand that needs to be run. This is not an errand to be run. And I am not a mechanic or a a clerk that checks you out in the grocery store. But what am I? I am one who is in fellowship with you. This word share that he is using to, to speak towards supporting the church, supporting the ministry of the word, is the word for fellowship. That we are fellows and partners in this work. We are partners in the gospel. In other words, because the one who teaches shares spiritual things with God's people, God's people in turn share material things with him. That's what he's saying. So it's deeper than just someone pleading for money. It's actually pleading for fellowship, that that you and I understand the importance of the word of God and we see and grasp this truth. And so the pastor does not receive a payment. Rather, what is shared with him is part of the fellowship of the saints in the Holy Spirit. So, when I consider the the blessing that you give me month in, month out, it is part of fellowship. And it is my duty and responsibility to be a partner and to do my part in that. But it is also for you to remember that you don't just pay the bills and pay the preacher so that he would preach what what you want him to. Jim has told me, that I often step on his toes. I don't think that's what he's paying for in that sense, in that regard. But do you understand what we're saying here? You're not to think of this church as just a place where you get serviced, but you are a part of the church. 
You are a part of what God is doing here. God is equipping you to do the work of the ministry. God is equipping you as the saints of God to grow in Christ and to grow in the likeness of Christ, to see spiritual fruits produced in your life. Okay, well, I need to move on. Not only Christian sharing and giving, but also secondly, there's this other aspect of reaping and sowing in Christian holiness. You reap what you sow. Paul returns to the conflict he mentioned earlier in chapter five, where he spoke about the battle between the flesh and the spirits. And before we think we don't need to take up arms in this battle, or if we think we can stand idly by, Paul reminds us of the harvest principle that should guide us. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Two elements of war have been mentioned, this battle of the flesh and of the spirit, and now he's speaking of two fields where sowing occurs. We're not to follow this in order to be saved, but Paul here is speaking to Christians and how we are to live. He makes it very clear regarding these things. Those who think they can change what God has given in the gospel, meaning, well, I can add to it. It's not just about Christ. It's about also following this list of rules. It's about going to church on Sunday, giving to the offering. It's about these things. That's how I know I'm a Christian. That's how I know I can be saved. Paul's like, no. But then also, he is speaking to those who think they can live however they please, gratifying the deeds of the flesh, living in such a way it doesn't matter how they live. And what does he say? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, as we begin to consider this, if we think that we can do a little sin here and there and it not have an effect on us, we are mistaken. If we think that we can tell a white lie, gossip with a friend, if we can look at pornography and we can think that those things will not affect us, he is telling you God is not mocked. Those things lead to bigger things and those things are seeds that produce a harvest. They produce a harvest. But that kind of harvest is not the harvest that you want. So I want to consider a few more key words. First, the word sow. What you sow is what you will reap. In other words, if you plant cucumber seeds in your garden, what will you have in the harvest? Cucumbers, maybe pickles. But you'll have cucumbers. If you plant a watermelon seed in the garden, you are not expecting to get tomatoes from it. In fact, if you get tomatoes from it, what does that mean? That you have weird watermelon seeds? No, you got the wrong seeds. And so what does that teach us here? What you sow is what you will reap. But then notice this as well. What you sow is what you will reap. The difficult thing about growing a garden is the waiting. It's the waiting, isn't it? When I moved to Mississippi before that summer, I had my neighbor allow me to borrow his plow. I actually had a friend come in with a tractor, plowed up my mom's backyard. And um, 
She wasn't happy about that at first. And so we used the tiller. I, I would till the garden every week to keep the weeds out as much as I can until it started growing even further. And uh, I was there at the beginning of the summer, May, you know, April, May, and then to June. But then in mid-June, I had to move to Mississippi. I didn't get any of the fruit of my labor. I waited and I waited and I waited and I never got to see it. And then my mom, while I'm in Mississippi, what does she do? She sends me pictures of these pretty tomatoes, uh, these pretty cucumbers, lovely onions, and we may have had some onions. But sometimes we think we plant seeds and they'll never produce fruit. There's actually something hopeful here, but also a warning. The warning is this, that if you think that what you do now, it will not matter tomorrow, you are mistaken. He's saying what you sow, you will reap. If you sow the deeds of the flesh, you will reap the deeds of the flesh. If you tell that white lie, it will lead to more. So God is not mocked. And sometimes we think we sow to the Spirit, I'll never see any fruit, but that's not true. The harvest is coming. So then another word. Notice what he says in verse 8. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Corruption. If you sow the deeds of the flesh, what will happen? You will see a field full of corruption. Sow the deeds of the flesh, this is what you'll reap. Corruption, and this is an understanding of destruction and disintegration. In other words, it will cause you to fall apart. That's what he's saying. You sow the deeds of the flesh listed there in in Galatians 5. If those are the things that you're sowing, if those are the things that you're focusing on, if those are the things that you're living out and you think these small little things will not matter, you need to understand that there is a harvest coming and it will mean that your life will fall apart. Sow the seed of pornography, reap a marriage that is in turmoil. Sow the seed of covetousness, reap a discontentment that leads to jealousy or even theft. Sow the seed of gossip and reap broken relationships. Corruption. But then there's also eternal life. Another word to mention, another word to see. Because the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There is a good field and there's a bad field, but there is a good field to remember. If you sow the seeds of these little things of love and joy and peace, it will reap a joyful and beautiful life in Christ. You'll reap of harvest of holiness and godliness. Now, how do you sow to the Spirit? Well, Paul just gave you one way in verse 6. To let God's word be sown in your life through the preaching of the gospel. The way for you to reap the benefit of joy and peace and love and gentleness and kindness and self-control is to come to church, actually. To come to church and listen to the word of God being taught, not just letting it go in one ear and out the other, considering what you will eat 
after the service, but letting it go in and down deep within your hearts and allow the word of God to change you. That's the way to reap beautiful fruits of the Spirit. But then finally, Christian opportunity. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in the due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of God. A couple key thoughts here. We see him because he's teaching us to help others, to do good to others. God gives us an opportunity to do good. He gives us opportunities to help, to serve, to love. And there's a beauty and joy that we will experience and know. But notice one thought here. He repeats this idea. Do not grow weary. Is gardening an easy task? No. Remember, I actually told you, I wasn't trying to look like a good gardener, by the way. It was just my neighbor telling me what to do. It's a hard task, isn't it? A farmer is a hard worker. And as a farmer works and he plows his garden or he plows the field and then he starts sowing seed and the farmer gets halfway through and he realizes, you know what? I'm kind of tired. I think I'll stop. What will that farmer get in harvest? Half of a field. He won't get it off. Why? Because he's grown weary. But God tells us here to not grow weary, to don't give up, to not stop, to keep going. That even though you do not see the harvest yet, the harvest is coming. Do not give up. Do not grow weary. Do not become discouraged or slack off or give up. We are to remember that our work follows the principle of the harvest. What you sow, you will reap. That's the incentive. Doing good is like sowing seed. So the farmer who plants a full crop can expect a full crop. John Brown, uh, an old Christian from Scotland, I believe, said this, Christians frequently act like children in reference to this harvest. They would sow and reap in the same day. And that's how we are, isn't it? Maybe you are sitting here and you're thinking about your own sinfulness and you're thinking about the things that you struggle with in this life, whatever it may be, and you think, I really wish I could stop doing that. I really wish that I would, I would quit this and, and I would do something else or I would change the way I am. Maybe you have a, a, a temper problem and you wonder why you get so angry and, you, and you're, you're wanting to give up on it because every time something happens, it seems like you, you fly off on the edge. Paul would tell you, the Holy Spirit would tell you, don't give up, don't lose heart. Sow the seed that produces patience. Sow the seed that produces humility. Sow the seed that produces gentleness. Reap that harvest rather 
than the harvest of anger. But also know that's not going to happen overnight. Those of you who have gardens, I doubt, put a tent next to your garden. Unless you're trying to keep the deer away. You go home. You lie down. And you sleep. Because you trust that the seeds that you've planted, the water that you've poured, will be used by God to produce the fruit that it's supposed to. And it's the same way for the Christian, that we are to sow the seeds of faith, sow the seeds of the fruit of the spirits, and trust God to produce the harvest. But then I want you to lastly see this, that where are we to do good? He speaks of this doing good. We're not to grow weary in it, but where do we begin? We begin in the family of faith. Our stewardship and our giving and our sowing and our reaping begins in the household of God. We are to give to one another. If we see those who are in our church family in need, we are to make sure that they have what they need. If we, just, if we are to see Christians within our faith community struggling, we are to give to them and to do whatever it takes to, to help them in their time of struggle and need. God has granted us a, a new family to fellowship with and to give as there are needs. And so as we conclude, what is it that you are sowing? What, what are the seeds in your life that you are planting? That way we'll know what one day we will reap. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we are thankful for the principle of the harvest, that this is not the way we are saved, but we are to not mock you by assuming that now that we are Christians, we can live however we please. But rather, we are to see that if we are to sow the deeds of the flesh, thinking that we are Christians, we indeed perhaps aren't even Christians to begin with because it will lead to our dismemberment, that it will lead to us being torn apart, falling apart, broken. But we also see the beauty of sowing the seed of the spirits so that spiritual fruit will be produced. And so we trust, O oh God, that you will produce it. We trust and have assurance that you will bring it about. That in our weariness of, of, of preaching the gospel week on and, and week off and continuing to do and continuing to serve and continuing to love and continuing to forgive and continuing to go forth and move, that we are guaranteed that it will produce fruit, that there will be a harvest. And so, Father, help us to not grow weary, but to trust, oh God, that your work will be done. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.